This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Your early 20s are a super strange time. You're not quite a fully formed adult, but not really a child anymore. You're earning money on your own, but spending it on shots and weed and ironic experiences more often than you'd probably like to admit. Eventually, hopefully, you pull yourself up and realize that those student loans aren't going to pay themselves. But it takes a moment, a realization where you look around and you say, this isn't it. Today, on the Second Story Podcast, J.C. Ava Lotus explores what it means to realize you're in the wrong place, in that specific moment when you make the decision for your life to change. J.C. is a longtime Second Story collaborator and a regular contributor at The Paper Machete, a live weekly magazine here in Chicago. His writing has appeared in Playboy magazine and on WBEZ. You can find his essays archived on the WBEZ website or listen to his past Second Story podcasts. With his story titled The Regal, Second Story is proud to present J.C. Ava Lotus. I'm sitting in a corner of the bar watching three porn stars undress each other. One of them is trying to karaoke Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. This gets awkward faster than you'd think. The woman with the mic is doing a terrible job, but she seems to think it's because there are two women trying to take her clothes off. There's a strange muffled sound as she tries to sing through the fabric of her tube top, then an exasperated sigh. The women are difficult to tell apart. Blonde, unreasonably skinny, disproportional fake boobs. Each article of clothing they're taking off each other can more or less be described by one of the following adjectives. Low rise, tube, skin tight, mini, thong, halter, pink, and or leopard print. You get the idea. All revealing, all ridiculous. The people I'm sitting with find this hilarious, but I'm feeling too self-conscious to really laugh much. I look around the faux wood-paneled Los Angeles bar that hosts porn star karaoke, trying not to appear like I'm looking around the bar. The place is 80% full of porn stars, men and women. They act pretty much exactly how you would expect them to act. Imagine a cramped space full of people used to being the sexiest, nakedest, most outrageous person in the room. Now add liquor and a microphone. The rest of the crowd at the bar is mainly diehard porn fans. The diehards are also exactly what you'd expect. They can be described by one or more of the following adjectives. Male. Overweight, creepy, mustachioed, lonely. I'm sitting with my roommate's friends who are here to appreciate this ironically, and they're in heaven. I think this is the high point of that guy's life, one of my roommate's friends says, watching a diehard get an autograph from one of the porn stars. She's signing a DVD case with one hand and groping another porn star with the other. She looks almost bored, and the diehard is in heaven. My table laughs. I don't know, I say. I think it's kind of sad. My table just looks at me. I mean, if this is a high point for that guy, 
What's the rest of his life like? They stare at me some more. It's clear that I violated some unspoken taboo. You're right, someone says. It is sad. Do you want to go make friends with him? Give him something besides porn to live for? And the table erupts into laughter. I ignore the feeling of my face burning and join in. I spent a lot of my time in LA like this, in strange places with people I didn't really know, engaging in vaguely competitive, ironic banter. It disappoints me how readily I fall into this, but to be fair, if there was ever anything to be appreciated ironically, it was porn star karaoke. I looked around and I thought, what the hell am I doing here? It was a Tuesday, and my roommate and I both had the night off from our jobs as waiters. I'd lived in L.A. for a little over six months. I was crushingly broke, waiting tables and kicking myself for not writing or auditioning more. I'd moved there a few years after college with my roommate, convinced that being broke in L.A. with a friend was preferable to being broke and living alone in Georgia. My friend invited us out to this bar tonight, my roommate had said, someplace in Burbank where porn stars sing karaoke on Tuesdays. Want to go? Most days, the only people I spoke with were people I was buying something from or selling something to. I didn't really have the cash for a night at the bar, but I was desperate for non-transactional human interaction. Porn star karaoke was the best I could do. You gotta be kidding me, I say as we pull up to the bar. It's a gray, aluminum-sided building in the parking lot of a strip mall. The place's name is on a poorly lettered sign with an array of mostly burned out flashing bulbs. The Regal. People wait in a line outside the door. Jesus, there's a line, someone asks? On Tuesdays there is, says the guy who brought us here. We get into the line, which is entirely diehard porn fans. There's definitely a pecking order. If you're a porn star or with a porn star, you get in immediately. If you're a woman or a group of women, you get in quickly. Everyone else pretty much diehards and hipsters, you have to wait. We've got a few women in our group, so we'll be okay, but it'll take a little while. We get into line, and it moves incredibly slowly. After 45 minutes, we're only halfway to the door. It's already 10.30, and I'm starting to regret not spending this Tuesday night like the rest of my nights off, drinking alone and reading a novel. <laughs> then a late 80s Thunderbird with open T-tops screeches into the parking lot. I catch a few strains of ACDC at impressive volume before the driver kills the engine. Three middle-aged men with huge hair and really tight pants get out of the car. They weren't hipsters or diehards. What would the bouncer do? They approach the head of the line. How's it going? My name is Jimmy Jameson, and my friend at Playboy said he'd put me on a list here. The bouncer is unimpressed. The diehards excitedly whisper to themselves. The bouncer tells Jimmy he isn't on the list. Are you sure, Jimmy asks. I spell it weird. It's J-I-M-I -I, like Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> no, sorry, man. You're really not on the list. Jimmy's getting upset. Look, he says, do you, know who, do you know who I am? I'm in a band called Survivor, and I'm supposed to be on that list. <laughs> At the mention of the band, the diehards go quietly nuts. Survivor apparently is huge among fans of hardcore smut. And even the most ironic of my group is a little excited about Survivor. They were known for one song, Eye of the Tiger. It's the theme song from Rocky III. VH1 named it the 63rd best hard rock song of all time. 
when I was four, my dad would put on the record and we would shadow box. But none of this mattered to the bouncer at the Regal. You're either on the list or you're waiting in line like everybody else. So with much grumbling and angry tossing of big, big hair, Jimmy and two-fifths of the band Survivor go to the back of the line to await their entry to Porn Star Karaoke. We finally get in about 20 minutes later. It's crowded, but we manage to find a table. I go in search of a drink. Sidling up next to where a man and a woman are dry humping on the bar, I order a gin and tonic and try to pretend like there aren't two half-naked porn stars going at it right next to me. As I wait for my drink, I notice a girl who seems out of place. She looks normal. Very pretty, but normal. She's petite and wears ordinary jeans and a green pavement t-shirt. She has glasses and wears her brown hair short. Nothing about her is fake or ridiculous. I like her right away, but I don't get my hopes up. I'm not seeing, much less sleeping with anyone. It's been almost two years, my dry spell taking on a sort of self-pitying grandeur. I'm sure it's just wishful thinking, but she seems to smile at me as I pay for my drink and turn away from the bar. I'm careful not to let the dry humpers spill it. I slide into the booth as a porn star is singing, I Touch Myself. It seems to be written for this very event. The room is a frenzy of porn stars singing about and or actually touching themselves. The porn stars are without any inhibitions whatsoever. The diehards are in heaven and my friends are in hysterics. And I'm hopelessly in my head. Miles away from the porn star's physical abandon, stuck somewhere between the diehard's earnestness and the hipster's irony. And if I'm honest, all the sex around me is fascinating. The sight of all that flesh, all that detached artificial eroticism reminds me of my longing and makes my feeling of isolation even more acute. I don't know where to look or how to act. I'm worried I'm not being ironic enough for my roommate's friends, vicariously embarrassed for the diehard's too earnest ogling, and weirded out by how young all the porn stars look. I glance at the floor, unsure where to put my hands. Jesus! Two writhing naked women bump our table, sending my drink tumbling. I move broken glass into a pile with my shoe. I go back to the bar where the same man is dry humping a second woman. Back so soon, someone says? I see pavement girl standing right next to me. I have no idea what to say, so I opt for the truth. Some naked women got really excited about the divinals and spilled my drink. Pavement girl laughs and I desperately try to appear less awkward than I feel. The bartender comes over. Gin and tonic, I say. I look at Pavement Girl, then finding courage from somewhere, I say, what are you drinking? She looks at me for a second. The same, she says. I nod. Two gin and tonics, I say to the bartender. I think it's gins and tonic, she says. That's probably right, I say. You want me to call the bartender back? She shakes her head laughing, and I try to remain calm. 
As the bartender returns with the gins and tonic, the dry humping couple gets really heated. The new woman rips off the man's tank top, exposing a perfectly muscled, really tan chest. Pavement girl looks at him and looks at me. I ander her drink and then say, I feel a little overdressed. She nearly spits out her first sip laughing. Nice, she says, nice. I want to keep talking, but someone calls her over. Shit, I, I got to go to my friend's table, but find me later. Thank you for the drink. Basking in the glow of my minor success with Pavement Girl, I relax a bit. I still feel awkward as hell, but I start to see what's so funny. We hear Let's Get It On three times. We hear Sexual Healing twice. There are also some surprises. I'll never be able to think of the song Good Ship Lollipop the same way again. And there's also a truly decent version of Neil Diamond's Solitary Man. The guy who sings it is being filleted by two women, but he has amazing powers of concentration. After a while, the novelty wears off, and it's just like being in any other loud bar. Mostly. Apart from noticing particularly bad or particularly good singers, we pretty much tune out the event. So when the first strains of Journey's Separate Ways come on, it takes a moment to register. Oh man, someone at my table says, someone is about to butcher this Journey song. We all turn to see 60% of the band Survivor standing in front of the microphone. Jimmy is the lead singer, and his bandmates take up supporting positions behind him. Holy shit, my roommate says. This is gonna be awesome. You probably know this song, Separate Ways, even if you don't recall it right now. The chorus goes... Someday love will find you Break those chains that bind you One night will remind you we touched and went our separate ways. All right, it, it, it's a song meant to be sung in a stadium full of screaming fans, but seeing it karaoke by another different 80s band in a shitty little bar in Burbank is strangely appropriate. Jimmy has the voice to pull it off, obviously. He grabs the mic with both hands and closes his eyes. He could have been in Giant Stadium again. His bandmates support him with air drums and air guitar, which sounds silly now, but really worked then. I don't know when I stood up or how I know the lyrics that I'm screaming. I don't care. I feel more liquid splashing in my shoe, and I turn around to see my roommate, a big fan of 80s power ballads, standing atop the rickety table holding a lighter above his head. For those 4 minutes and 27 seconds, all of the spilled drinks and lonely awkwardness in the world don't matter. The song concludes, and the regal is all high fives and rapturous applause, temporarily united by the power of 80s corporate rock. For the third time, I head to the bar. I keep my eye out as I approach, but I don't see Pavement Girl anywhere. But there is still a couple furiously making out on the bar. I give them a wide berth. It's not wide enough, though, because an article of clothing ripped away ends up draped over my head. I'm getting ready to laugh and throw it back, but then I notice what it is. A green pavement t-shirt. 
Sorry, bra, the shirtless behemoth says. I got excited. Yeah, I can see why. He grunts, then turns back to Pavement Girl, her pale white arms barely reaching around his massive chest. I hold out her t-shirt, averting my eyes in a ridiculous attempt to preserve her modesty. Thanks, she says, grinning at my sheepishness. Still feeling overdressed? You have no idea, I say, and then I turn away from the bar. On stage, a skinny, naked girl who doesn't even look 21 is trying to cover her breasts while singing Patsy Cline's Crazy into the microphone. She is tone-deaf and appallingly earnest. Nope, I was wrong, someone at my table says. This is definitely the saddest thing we're going to see tonight. And my table laughs loud. The shy, naked girl looks over at us, her voice faltering. It all becomes too much for me. Pavement girl and the behemoth, my table's laughter at the shy, naked girl on stage. She looks how I feel. I didn't really want to be there anymore. I stand up and tell everyone that I have to work a double tomorrow, that I'm going to go home and get some sleep. You okay, my roommate asks. I'm great, I lie. Just tired. I think the metro is still running, so I'll just walk to the train. I don't know what I want or need or hope to find. I just know that it's not here. It's cool, I tell my roommate. I'll see you tomorrow. I leave, nodding to the bouncer who is standing alone with his clipboard. As I start the long walk to the train, I keep trying to think of a pavement song to sing, but I can't get Patsy Cline out of my head. Crazy, I'm crazy for feeling so lonely. I'm crazy. When did you sit up, take a look around, and realize that you needed a change? This story was curated by Bobby Badrisky, with performance direction from Jason Garachi and sound design from Miles Pulaski. JC and his lovely wife, Devin, recently became brand new parents of a bouncing baby boy. Congratulations, you two. Now, try and get some sleep. You can always reach me for a comment on this or any other Second Story podcast at ozzy at secondstory.com. Be sure to follow Second Story on Twitter at Second Story or on Instagram at Second Story Chicago for behind-the-scenes looks at our curation process. If you like this podcast, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes so more listeners can find and hear this work. Second Story podcasts are brought to you in part by the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, the City Arts Program, the Chicago Community Foundation, part of the Chicago Community Trust, and the Arts Work Fund. Second Story podcasts are produced by Eric Hazen, with special thanks to Sherry Pentamone and C.P. Chang. We share our story so you'll share yours. Now go out and knock them dead with story power. I'm Ozzy Totten, and this is Second Story.